After almost 40 years, a young woman's death and sexual assault has finally come to a conclusion. Join me as we examine the case of Jenny Moore. On a cool morning of August 25, 1981, an 18-year-old Jenny Moore went about her usual Tuesday. Jenny awoke somewhere in the early hours of 6 a.m. to get ready for work. During this time of the year, Colorado is known for its cooler mornings, and so it was this day. She wore blue jeans and a peach-colored sweater while carrying a brown leather purse, branding, and mushroom design on it. Jenny worked at a Tenneco gas station in Lakewood, Colorado, located on the intersection of 13th and Wadsworth. Her employer would later call her mother that day, as Jenny would never make it in. Jenny and her younger sister had a minor disagreement on the early hours of that fateful Tuesday. This prompted Jenny to hitchhike to work as the family shared one car. Some reports state that Moore would hitchhike on various occasions, and so this was not completely out of her character. Two witnesses came out who stated that Moore was last seen alive and well, freely entering a vehicle at the on-ramp of Harlan and I-70, heading westbound. The report details how the witnesses saw Moore try to enter the vehicle from the passenger side, but failed as the door appeared to be locked or non-operational. The witnesses recanted that the vehicle driver could be seen leaning over to open the door from within. The car could have been an older model Ford LTD in red, year 1969 to 1970. Some accounts of the events thought they remembered the vehicle also having a black vinyl top, but none of this was ever confirmed. Moore's body was found five days later by a group of picnickers during a Sunday visit at the Genesee Park, which runs alongside I-70 just a few miles out of the city limits. The park is also quite a way out from where she was originally picked up and was supposed to be dropped off at. The autopsy report quickly concluded that Moore was sexually assaulted before being bludgeoned to death. Although DNA was secured from an article of clothing Jenny was wearing, this critical evidence would not come into play for well over three decades. Early on after the initial influx of witness accounts, and possible suspects, who were later ruled out, the case seemed to go completely cold right away. With no new leads or suspects for the killing of 18-year-old Jenny Moore, the case was set aside. It was not until many years later that in 2008, the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office, which is also known as Jeffco, reopened the decades-old case. Jeffco would go on and submit the DNA evidence into a national database. The department was able to preserve a semen sample for well over two decades, but sadly, no results returned. Jeffco would later submit the evidence into another database in 2011. The hope was that they would find a match on the FBI's combined DNA index system, also known as CODIS, but unfortunately, Once again, no matches were returned in their efforts. At this point, the only thing that seemed detectives could do is wait for the offender to commit another crime and have his DNA submitted into the database then. This never came about as the case once again went cold. 
close to another decade had passed since the DNA was submitted to the FBI's CODIS database with no new matches or any details coming to light. That is, until a new testing technology referred as genetic genealogy had become available that Detective Elias Alberti, who had moved to the cold case files department two years prior, thought to use. Using genetic genealogy, law enforcement agencies and companies in the private sector can work together to gain potential matches of an offender's family members. By cross-referencing their DNA evidence with the private databases that the DNA sequencing organizations own, combined, they can find new suspects depending on whether a family member of an offender had submitted their DNA willfully by using one of their services, say, for family tree mapping or for health reasons. With his new testing ability, the detective received 25 possible relative matches. And like that, finally, a break in the case, and only after 90 days since Alberti had put in the process to begin the genetic genealogy testing was he able to narrow down to one suspect. Using the list of 25 possible relatives, Alberti began the process of elimination, which eventually led him to a deceased man named Donald Stephen Perea, who at the time of his death, in May 2012, had died of health-related reasons at the age of 54. Not yet satisfied, as Alberti could not close the case, the detective began to ask close family of Perea if they would be willing to help in the several decades old case. One of Perea's daughters, who was never identified, submitted her DNA and by doing a reverse paternity test, they found that Donald indeed was Jenny Moore's killer. Donald Stephen Perea was married for 25 years and had several children. Perea's Facebook account would show a religious man who sold home care products for a living. On one of his Facebook posts, he stated as denouncing violence and pleads to ask why anyone would want to kill. That year, he shared a new story on Navy sniper Chris Kyle. He expressed support for the Broncos and filled his Facebook page with religious references. Kids with special needs aren't weird or odd. They only want what everyone wants to be accepted. Can I make a request? Is anyone willing to post this and leave it on your status for at least one hour? It is Special Education Week and Autism Awareness Month, and this is in honor of all the children made in a unique way. You never understand a situation until you are faced with it. Perea was convicted of sexual assault and was imprisoned from 1982 to 1985. He also pled guilty later to simple assault in 1999. Perea was thought to have raped and killed 18-year-old Jenny Moore in 1981 when he was 23 years old. The worst part is that this meant that he had committed the murder while he was out on bond for the sexual assault that he was later imprisoned for the following year. 
It is not known exactly what happened on the day that Jenny Moore was sexually assaulted and murdered. From what I can gather is that after entering the vehicle of Donald Perea, two things could have happened. Either he knocked her out as soon as he could in the vehicle and dragged her body out to the park, or he had coerced her into submission, taking her out to the park where he would later sexually assault her and beat her to death. There is very little closure in knowing that Donald Stephen Perea died before he received any justice for the murder and sexual assault of Jenny Moore. There is some solace though in finally being able to find the facts and learn the truth after 38 years. The sisters were reported saying in 2019 that it was too soon then to call the news of the DNA results closure. said Mickey Moore. The Moore family said their lives were derailed in 1981 and the last 38 years have been spent wondering and pointing fingers at all the wrong people, including a family member. It struck up a lot of memories and a lot of guilt on my part, said Kelly. Kelly was just 16 and recalls being crabby with Jenny. Jenny was running late and left in a haste her family shared a single car, and Jenny decided to hitchhike to work. Perea would end up picking her up shortly after. He took away an angel, Kelly said. The family has now connected with Perea's family and says they hold no grudges. The sisters say they will continue to keep her memory alive on a daily basis and hope by sharing her story it will remind others to be vigilant. She was 18 and tough as nails, but still, it doesn't matter, said Mickey. That's it for now. Check out some of my other videos and stay tuned for more case reviews.